Our reading today is from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we gather at this time and, and to meditate on your word, we know that you have something special for each and every one of us today. So would you open our ears to hear what you have to say, and would you open our hearts for your words to truly sink in deep into who we are. Lord God, give me words to speak that don't come from my own mind or from my own strength, but come directly from you, and let them fall on each one of us, not with our own strength, but with the strength of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we give this time to you. We thank you for it, and we thank you for this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You laugh less than you once did. Do you see problems in every promise? Would those who know you best describe you as increasingly negative or critical? Do you assume that something bad is going to happen? Do you dilute or downplay good news? with doses of your own version of reality. Many days would you rather stay in bed than get up. Do you magnify the negative and dismiss the positive? Given a chance, would you avoid any interactions with humanity for the rest of your life? Hopefully you didn't answer yes to too many of those. But the reality is that as we gather and as we're, we're just human beings in this world and our world is full of often anxiety and our world is full of tension and we resonate with so many of these questions. Many of us do and if you think none of those apply to me then you certainly know someone in your life that those apply to. And it's you, but you're, just, you're not aware of that. But uh, you could certainly look at friends, family members and know who it is. And if you answered yes to at least most of these questions, then Philippians 4, 4 through 8, which I just read for you, uh, is so perfect for you. In, in this passage, uh, there's five verses, and in these five verses, there's four commands that God gives to us. Four commands. And it ends with this wonderful promise after the commands. It says in verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. 
So this sermon series is called Anxious for Nothing, and we are going through basically those four commands that we are given in this text, and it's adapted from uh, this book study that many of us did during the summer by a pastor uh, named Max Licato, and his book is called Anxious for Nothing. And uh, we had two different groups, one on Sundays that met over Zoom, one on Tuesday nights that met over Zoom, and through those uh, different book studies, we were able to uh, just really study what this scripture uh, meant for each one of us. And once we got to the end, I really just felt uh, that they were so good, and I thought, we need to do this with everyone at church. And there's really no other way to do that than to have it be a sermon series, so here you are. Uh, week two of this sermon series, Anxious for Nothing. If you missed week one, that's fine. I mean, you can always check it out on, on our website, chapelinthepines.org. We have all the services on there. Uh, but you'll be able to follow along today, too. So don't feel like uh, I missed week one of a sermon series. I know I've been there at churches where you're like, now I'm going to be lost for the next however many minutes. Um, you won't be lost. We live in a world that is defined by anxiety. See, often with more change comes more anxiety. And, and scientists have studied our time, and they have said that more things have changed in the last 50 years than in the 500 years leading up to that. And I think that's true. Um, as we look around, you know, it's, it's very easy uh, to think back on what, what time has been like right now, but uh, we can travel around the world just as easily as we can travel around our neighborhoods. And, and not too very long ago, you could only travel as far as your horse could bring you in a day. That was it. Now, sometimes that sounds nice. It sounds like quaint. It sounds like, a, like the romance novels my mom used to read. Uh, maybe some of you read them. Uh, it sounds like this, this yesteryear time of this like simple time. Um, but I think we can fool ourselves into thinking that people back in the day uh, didn't also deal with anxiety. And we're going to talk about the book of Philippians some today and what the people that Paul originally wrote this letter to uh, were going through. But anxiety in our own time, you see, we also have these wonderful devices. We have smartphones and TVs and computers, and they are blessings in many, many ways. But we also can just be bombarded with negative news 24 hours a day. Uh, my phone, you know, sometimes you, you change the settings, and my phone likes to give me alerts. And it started all of a sudden giving me alerts at 1130 at night, but it sounds like a text. So I make sure to check it and make sure, like, none of you are... Uh, having some issues or something. Uh, you're welcome. But, but it's been this news app, and it tells me this stuff that's happened around the world. So now it's 1130 at night. I'm already in bed. And now I like the last thing I read before going to bed fully is like, there was an earthquake somewhere, or there's flooding, uh, or, or stuff like fires, and, and things that just raise our tension and our anxiety. But it's our everyday life now. It's constant. We're being bombarded with it. And if that's not even you, then you certainly know people who are going through personal troubles right now. You certainly know people around you that are facing foreclosure. You know people who are fighting cancer. You know people who are going through a brutal divorce. You know people who are battling addiction or going bankrupt or broke or going out of business. Do you feel anxious yet? No. 
Anxious for nothing. Woo! Sounds great. But then we get to scripture and then we say, how? <laughs> how, Paul? What are you even talking about? How can I be anxious for nothing with what's going on? So as I mentioned earlier, uh, I want to talk some about the book of Philippians today, what's going on in their own time. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about this line, uh, to be anxious for nothing but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our request to God. So first, who are these people that Paul is originally writing to? They live in this town called Philippi. Uh, it's in modern-day uh, Macedonia uh, area. And we actually read a lot about it in Acts chapter 16. So we have a little bit of insight into it right from Scripture. And we are told that in Acts chapter 16, Paul has been traveling around Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and he's been planting a lot of churches. And then he sees this vision, and we're told that it's a man of Macedonia, and the man is standing there, and he is begging him. And the man is saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we read in Acts 16, verse 10, it says, After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready immediately and set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to the people of Macedonia. Then the rest of Acts chapter 16 is about Paul's missionary work in this town, Philippi, where we get Philippians from. See, Philippi is this Roman colony that is in Macedonia. So it's a Roman colony, it's a Roman stronghold in the Roman Empire. And it is a town that is strongly Roman, through and through. There, Paul and, and his companion Silas, they meet great persecution. And one of the reasons they meet persecution is because they go around town, and particularly the synagogues and, and other people, and they preach that Jesus is Savior and Lord. Now that language sounds very familiar to us. Jesus is Savior and Lord. But what we don't realize from our end is that Paul was teaching something very countercultural at the time. So this is a Roman colony. These are Roman people. These people are thoroughly Roman. And there is one Savior and Lord in their mind, and it is Caesar. So we don't get that all the time when we read it now. But Paul is saying Jesus is Savior and Lord, and that's directly what is causing the persecution is that the people of Philippi are saying, there is only one Savior and Lord, and it is Caesar, it is our king, and it is our leader. Paul goes on, and Paul says that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. Again, language that we hear in church, we don't necessarily think too much about it, but think of it from the Roman perspective here. Jesus Christ is the name above all names. They have one person they think of as having the name above all names, and that's Caesar. So what happens here is that Paul and Silas, later in chapter 16, they are beaten publicly, and they are thrown into prison for teaching these teachings in this book. And, and the persecution that they are facing, the persecution is real. Like I said, they are, they are put on trial uh, before the trial's even done, they are beaten, they are thrown in prison, and it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit 
that they actually leave prison. Sometime later, Paul and Silas eventually leave. They leave to go to other areas. They plant more churches. But there's a young church in Philippi that continues to exist. And it exists in the face of this persecution that they are facing. The persecution doesn't end when Paul leaves. Because people keep teaching that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. And people keep teaching that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. So sometime later, Paul ends up in prison again. In a different city, he ends up in prison again, and he gets an unexpected visitor. And it's a visitor from the town of Philippi, who has come in this, this poor church in this small town, has gathered uh, financial resources, they gathered money that they're bringing to Paul to help him while he's in prison. And as he receives this gift, he doesn't send them away empty-handed, but he actually sends them away with a letter to the people of the church of Philippi. And we know it as the book of Philippians in Scripture. In this letter, Paul tells them to rejoice in the Lord. This is in the, in, in the middle of their persecution. First of all, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Which sounds a little weird at the beginning of this, but what gentleness means here is to not automatically respond in the way that the world expects you to respond. So he's talking about the persecution. He says, you're being persecuted here. The world expects you to respond a certain way, to push back, to be violent back, to hold back your oppressors. And Paul says, no, let your gentleness be known to everyone. And then he tells them to rejoice in the Lord. He tells them, again, let your gentleness be known to all. Do not be anxious about anything. Pray to God in every situation and to meditate on good things. Powerful and challenging words to a hurting church. So as we read these words today, know that they aren't intended to go from someone who has had an easy, perfect life to someone else who is living a life of minor inconveniences. That is not where these words come from in Scripture. They come from someone who is in prison. They come from the Holy Spirit, but they come from Paul in prison, writing to a church that is being persecuted. And from prison, he tells them, Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not be anxious about anything. Pray to God in every situation and meditate on good things. So that brings us to the second part here uh, about Paul's advice to be anxious for nothing. Last week, we focused on these words, rejoice in the Lord, and what that means to, to lift up who God is, that as God gets bigger uh, in our own minds, God's always the same size, but as he gets bigger in our own minds, that it leaves less room for the anxiousness of life. That if we truly understand who God is, we truly understand his love, his compassion, his mercy, then our anxieties have to get smaller. Today we're going to look at this next phrase, be anxious for nothing. 
but pray. Peace happens when people pray. I love this quote from the book that I mentioned earlier, Anxious for Nothing. It says, God loves to hear the sound of your voice. It sounds so very simple, but we like to deny it in our own heads too often. We think that we're inconveniencing God. We think that, oh, my problems are little, or, or I'm anxious about things I shouldn't be anxious about. Like We downplay ourselves, and then the result is we don't pray. Do you see how backwards that is? God says, come to me with everything. If you are feeling anxious, God is not going to sit there and tell you to not be anxious. God is going to help you get through it. So part of it is it's being aware enough to not lie to ourselves about the anxiety that we're facing. And it's to go out there and it is to, to just pray to God about what we're going through. Because he loves to hear the sound of your voice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here, three types of prayer are mentioned. First, it's just as prayer. And prayer is kind of this idea of this general devotion, this worship, uh, adoration of who God is, lifting up God. As, as we sang this morning, not only are we singing words, but we're worshiping God and we are we are actually praying in that moment, and that is, that's a type of prayer that we're called to do when we're feeling anxious. The second one is supplication. So supplication is this kind of prayer that suggests humility. We make no demands of God. We simply offer humble requests. This is the kind of prayer that that bring people to their knees. On your knees, you lift up something to God humbly before Him. The third one, it just calls requests. Now, requests are specific petitions that we are bringing to God. Specific things. We're telling God exactly what we want God to do, but not in a way that presumes that we can, that we can order God around, but in a way that that shows uh, kind of the particularness of the problems that we're going through. So, so why pray so specifically? Uh, I, I believe many of us, and, and myself included, we tend to have this default prayer life that's kind of generic. We might say like, oh, God, God bless them. Or God, uh, walk with this person as they struggle today. Or, or something that is just not specific, and it's not bad. But we're actually invited in a relationship with God to be able to come before Him with a specific prayer life. Here's the first reason. A specific prayer is often a serious prayer. Think of it this way. If, if, if I come to you as a friend and I say, hey, we, we should spend some time together sometime. We, we should... Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll get coffee sometime. Uh, that sounds nice, but what if I came before you as a friend and I said, "Could you come over to my house at eight o'clock on Friday night? There's something going on in my life, and I want to talk to you about it." As a good friend, of course you would make sure to be there. 
right? You would drop your schedule because the specificness of what the person is saying uh, shows how serious they are. That they're able to come before you and say, Friday night, 8 o'clock, I need you. That's what we can do before God. You say, God, I need you. I need you in this very moment that I'm going through. Here is the, the problems that I'm facing. Here's the problems that my loved ones are facing. And God, we need your spirit. We need your presence here. A specific prayer is also an opportunity to see God work. You see, if we pray too generic all the time, then we can fool ourselves afterwards into saying, did God really do something or did something just happen? Does that make sense? So if I say um, that I'm going to pray for uh, this, this fire that is going on uh, that we have smoke from, and I say, God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. We need you to work in and through the firefighters and, and to stop the advance of this fire. See, that is specific enough that later on that day, if we read a news report that the fire has been pushed back against, that our faith in God grows. Because, because we have been specific enough that God has answered a prayer. The third reason is that praying a specific prayer actually creates a lighter load within ourselves. So often, part of anxiety is that anxiety is often vague in our own minds. We feel a tension, we feel a pull inside of ourselves, but often we have a hard time describing it. We have a hard time actually putting words to what the problem is. And as we pray to God and we pray for something specific, uh, it actually lightens the load within us. Here's an example. I could pray, Lord, help me with my meeting tomorrow. And that's a good prayer. Maybe you have a meeting tomorrow. Maybe you need help with it. Maybe you're nervous about it. Or I could pray, Lord, I have a conference with my supervisor tomorrow at 2 p.m. She intimidates me. Would you please grant me a spirit of peace so I can sleep tonight? Grant me wisdom so I can enter the meeting prepared. And will you soften her heart towards me and give her a gracious spirit? Help us have a productive conversation in which both of us benefit and your name is honored. There's a difference in those prayers, right? God loves to hear both. So don't get, don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you some right formula on how to, pray, uh, how to pray. If you think there's an exact right formula of the words you need to say or the exact emotions you need to express, that's actually not Christianity. Um, not to be controversial, but that's actually called magic. That's what magic is. If you say the right words and then you force God to do something, that's, that's magic. So we're not talking about magic here, we're talking about a relationship in which you come with God, and you, and you sit there, and you just talk about what's actually going on in your life. So again, this is not some endorsement of, of some demanding, conditional prayer life that presumes that we can tell God what to do and when. 
or that we can say the right words or we can say the right quote and we can force something to happen. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So casting is, is this idea of like, of like casting a net. It's, it's this concept of relocating some object. Right? It, it's, you, you take uh, the net and you cast it out into the water and you just throw it away. So we are told to cast our anxieties on Jesus. That when they come to us, that your first response should be to throw it in the direction of Jesus. Sometimes they're big enough that we might have to roll it in the direction of Jesus. But Jesus is always there. No matter how weak we feel in the moment, Jesus' strength is with us. Just about a year ago, uh, we were at a, a pumpkin patch as a family. And uh, Levi was in kindergarten a year ago, and he got to this slide. And this slide was very large. It was made of, of like drainage tile, if, if you know what that is. Uh, and it was probably from, you know, above the top of this stage all the way down. I mean, it was, it was a good-sized slide. Um, and Levi was up there, and his, his older brother was there, and his older brother went down the slide. And Levi just sat there, nervous. He gave me permission to say this, by the way. <laughs> I asked him this morning. Um, and he sat there, and... And then eventually he kind of gained enough courage and he went down the slide and we were so happy for him and we greeted him at the bottom. And what he said to us was so precious. He said, when I was up there and, and when I was nervous, I just said a little prayer to Jesus. And then I was able to go down the slide. I think sometimes we make it too complicated. I think sometimes in life we are sitting at the top of a slide. And we were looking down. And this slide was large to me, but this slide to a kindergartner was huge. And we're looking down these slides and we think, I don't know if this is a good idea for me to go down this slide. What if I get hurt? What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And anxiety often lives in the what ifs of life. So we're sitting there and we're looking down our own slides. And then we try to do it in our own strength. Or we try to do it in our own power. Or we try to be brave enough. Or we try to show someone else that we're not a coward. But what we're called to do as Christians is whisper a prayer to Jesus. And again, I think we make it overly complicated. What we are called to do is say, Jesus I'm scared right now. I'm intimidated. We're going through something as a family that is so big and we are so small and we feel so weak and helpless and powerless. I don't know if you've had that feeling. I'm sure many of you have, but maybe you're the person sitting in the waiting room at the hospital and you sit there and it's the most helpless feeling ever. Especially if the person in the other room is one of your loved ones, right? If you love the other person in the other room who's with the specialist, they're where they're supposed to be, there's a reason they don't want you around, 
Like, they don't want me around if, if Susan's in the other room. But it's the most helpless feeling ever as we sit there and there's nothing we can do. And I think if we go through those moments of life and we don't cast that onto Christ and we don't pray the specifics there, I think we're missing out on a huge blessing that we have as believers. I think we're missing out on a huge uh, ability that we have as people of God, that, that he loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear your heart and where you're at, and he is bigger than the situation you're going through. The slide seems huge. The waiting room seems daunting. But Jesus is with you. And if he is with you, we are told that we can be anxious for nothing. So cast your anxieties in the direction of Christ, no matter how big or small. The path of peace is paved with prayers. We are called to have fewer anxious thoughts and more prayer-filled thoughts. And as you pray, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds.